is all of this open to, to just God is whatever you want him to be. You just create your own idea of God. No God, this God, that God, young, old, male, female. But your idea is just as real to you as my idea is real to me. So it's just all of this idea that God is what you make him. So we make God. We create God. God's a product of our imagination, our mind, our desire, our wish, our hope. Either way it, it goes. But that's not true. This is the point. We're preventing ourselves from having that wonderful concept and understanding and relationship. If you are here, obviously, then maybe you're a bit open-minded, whoever's listening to this. And so you, maybe you've understood so far that the, in yoga, yoga, real yoga teachings accept the existence of a supreme person. And we, you know, that is also a name for God. That That's accepted in the yoga philosophy that there is a supreme person. And whether uh, I totally understand people who have a hard time accepting that or, or, you know, having faith in that. And it's not expect, ex like expected that you have faith in that or immediately believe that or, or understand that. And, and I, for me, it was, for me, it was an important step to understand the nature and the, the qualities of God, the real qualities of God. You know what I mean? Because you, you've heard all the nature and the qualities of God from the biblical teachings and and you've you've heard more about you know the fear-based aspect and how about hell and and about judgment and and so you don't really have a good place to stand on to understand god because you see him from that perspective so sometimes when we have classes you know we we say like Imagine that you're gonna get to know a completely new person, you know, just just forget about your current understandings of, of God, whatever, you know, just, you know, imagine that you would get to know a new person. And then you can gradually build your, you know, in it. I mean, yeah, that's because God is loving, not judging. And, and yeah, so I, I guess that's what we wanted to do today. I mean, this is a, we're, we've started this series about Jesus, the heart of Jesus. So we also today wanted to just go head on on the the big thing, which is God, <laughs> you know, and yoga. What's yoga perspective on that? And does he exist? Is there proof of that? If he exists, what is his nature and qualities? And yeah, what what is he in relationship to me? Why is he? Why you know? Why is it important for me to have? him in my life in any way or you know that's that's kind of what i wanted to to look at today so so that we've we've come over that um, hurdle well yeah if you read anything about jesus it's going to obviously point to the reality that he was loving someone yeah and he actually described he was loving god his father. So what is 
the information about the one he loved. Yeah. In other words, it's very vague. When you say the word God, you know, most people just have an individual idea that they have a picture in their mind, which has been influenced by what they've heard or been told from others. and Or they have this idea there is no God, there is no person, hmm. or the impersonalist yogis, as we call them, have the idea that God is not a person, it's just an energy source, a light, you know, an impersonal aspect of the absolute truth. And that any personality connected with God originates from this impersonal source of energy, light, void, yeah, whatever. There's so many ways you can yeah. envision it. But it's like, you know? like individuality and, and characteristics are material. And they're... Yeah, so when there's a personality, it's, it's a material form of that impersonal source and it's the form is given to that energy by this material nature known as maya etc just like we get our bodies given to us by material nature and so they say god's the same you know his body was given to him or created or you know presented by material nature. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point is that is all of this open to, to just God is whatever you want him to be. You just create your own idea of God. No God, this God, that God, young, old, male, female. In other words, if that's the case, then God's a creation of us. Yeah, of your imagination or your wishes and desires and what you want him to be. And your idea of God is, may be completely different than mine. Yeah. But your idea is just as real to you as my idea is real to me. So it's just all of this idea that God is what you make him. So we make God. We create God. God's a product of our imagination, our mind, our desire, our wish, our hope, either way it, it goes. Which puts but that's us, not true. No, it's the point. It, it, it's, it's not true and it puts us above him. Again, it, it puts us in a position where we're deciding. We are, you know, we're, we're the guys who get to decide how things are being like. And, and I am greater than him, basically, because I'm creating him from my imagination and my... It's just like death you know people say well whatever happens of death it depends what you want to happen you know <laughs> it's like you're yeah, greater than exactly. death there's no absolute reality of truth to death it's just like whatever you believe happens that's what happens <laughs> okay right so you that's basically yeah so that. we yeah. are the doers mm -hmm. yeah but that doesn't really uh do anything good for us doesn't really fulfill our needs for a relationship with God. There is a real personality, eternal personality, who is in the number one position. God means number one. I mean, that's, that's the meaning of that word. And there's only one number one, and there's a personality that occupies that post. 
So all of my speculations and conclusions and, and mental concoctions don't do anything good for me. It's a very, very, you know, dangerous position to be in for my well-being. Yeah, I see that. That's why we, you know, have our scriptures. The Vedic scriptures are very, very, very detailed about the personality of Godhead, you know, in all aspects. His form, very clearly described, what he looks like, what his activities are, what his relationships are, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all kinds of information. And all we have to do is just go there and accept it. But if we're in this mindset that none of this is true, then we're preventing ourselves from having that wonderful concept and understanding and relationship. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's, it's, that's our doing. <laughs> we, create, we create this very unfavorable situation for ourselves based on our opinions and concoctions. So let's discuss what the, what the Bible and the Vedas say about, about the personality of Godhead. Yeah. So we can start with the Bible. I mean, there's, there's a few mentions. There's, uh, let's see. Should I read, read that Song of Solomon from, yeah. from 11 or 10? I think uh, 10. Yeah. So Song of Solomon, uh, part or chapter 5, I guess, text 10. Mm-hmm. says, my, my beloved is white and ruddy, the, chief, the chiefest among 10,000. Yeah, so he's the, he's the chief. That's basically what it says. And it's describing his form, you know. Very clear. This is the form that is being described. And this person is the chief amongst... What, Ten thousand. What's what's but really what, the chief of all? <laughs> what does ruddy mean? Ruddy complexion means not real, you know, smooth, like pasty, but really just full of, like if a person's in nature a lot, they have a ruddy complexion. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, which is a very desirable. Complexion, not just a pale, pasty, you know, complexion. No, like full of co- texture and contour and full of life. Let's life. say exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keep he, reading. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as raven, black as a raven. Yeah, he's talking about his hair. You know, his hair is full head of hair. And, you know, ravens are black, black. Black, You know, shiny black. So it's describing it like that. And head is as the most fine gold. 
Gold is the standard for perfection. And, yeah. You know, this is the gold standard. Yeah. So, again. Okay. Um, his eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fift fiftly set. Fitly set. Fitly. Oh, sorry. The fitly. eyes of doves, you know, doves, you know, people may know what doves are, but they may not have ever seen them close up. But their eyes are very beautiful. Oh. You know, they're very just nice eyes, so to speak. Mm. And the, by the river, his eyes, as the eyes of doves, by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. You know, mm. fitly set meaning they're placed correctly yeah. Yeah. in his place. Washed so again, you know, this is just, you know, Solomon's description as he sees it, but you can see it's all referring to beauty. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, this is so beautiful. And each person it would describe like they the face of anyone may use different, you know, analogies, but it would be describing a beautiful face, mm -hmm. beautiful body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Eyes of those by the rivers of waters. That's very nice. His, um, his cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh, or myrrh. Yeah. And remember, Solomon was, this is long ago, in that region, you know, where, you know, spices were very, very prevalent, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, incense and myrrh and frankincense and, You know, they were very prominent in society, and the lilies are always described as being beautiful, you know. And Jesus himself referred to lilies as being very beautiful. Look at the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are arrayed, you know, and they don't have to worry about their clothing, so why are you worried about what you're going to wear, you know? Look how God has adorned the lilies of the field in such a beautiful way. Etc. So it's all about beauty here. Mm. Mm -hmm. And um, his hands are as gold rings set with a beryl. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. Ivory. Ivory. Yeah. His belly is as bright I ivory I overlaid. Mm? I don't know what beryl is. B e r y l. I don't know what that is, but it's probably some jewel. I'm I'm just guessing. It's a mineral mineral, yeah, it's a jewel. Mm-hmm. Emerald. Well known varieties of beryl include emerald and aquamarine. Okay, so emerald. Yeah, aquamarine. Mm. So you can you know the color now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> blue green? Yeah, blue yeah. green. If you if you Google it you see that's blue green, very nice color. That's mm -hmm. what's his yeah. his hands are as gold rings set with a beryl. Oh wow. Yeah. His belly is as bright ivory. Ivory is very white, you know. Oh yeah. 
overlaid with sapphires. Sapphires are blue again. <laughs> so a very, again, a very beautiful picture being painted here by words. Yeah. His uh, legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. 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 Sorry for my... Cedar trees. Cedar trees. Oh, I, I thought it was called cedar tree. No, cedar. You? Cedar tree. So Lebanon is a tree, type of oh. tree. It's not the country Lebanon. And... Uh, so anyway, it describes also in the Vedas, which we're going to read yeah, uh, from yeah. uh, momentarily. And it says the same thing, that his legs are like pillars of marble. I mean, just so strong, so, mm -hmm. you know, solid. Mm -hmm. And uh, his countenance is as Lebanon. I don't know this tree, but it's probably a beautiful tree. Excellent as the cedars. Cedars are known for their uh, aroma and their strength and beautiful wood. Cedar wood is very beautiful. Uh, and countenance is like the appearance. Yeah, yeah, countenance is the appearance. Lebanon tree. So his appearance is like the Lebanon. Le 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 yeah, it's a very nice tree. Wow. <laughs> um, excellent as... Okay, his mouth is most sweet. Yeah, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Yeah, so he's, he's describing his beloved, his dear most friend. You know, such a beautiful personality. It's what he says. Yeah. Altogether lovely. Altogether lovely. Every aspect of the form of the Lord is so attractive and i and i mm. just it's i mean in other parts of the bible it's often described as god as the the ruler and the king and the father but this is just so nice i mean i, I didn't read this before but it specifically says this is my beloved and this is my friend oh daughters of jerusalem that's is your friend so yeah this is you know obviously the relationship that solomon yeah. had with the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, a dear friend, beautiful, lovely dear friend. Mm. So that's, you know, if we take the Bible as any kind of, you know, authority, there's no question that God is a person. And what there's described that in the Vedas that there's six opulences that God has in full. And one of those opulences is beauty. <clears throat> so, you know, in the world, you know, in different individuals, we, we can see beauty. And people are attracted to beauty. Everybody is attracted to a beautiful person, you know, beautiful woman, a handsome man, etc. Yeah. But the beauty that we're speaking about you know, in the material world is, number one, very fleeting. You know, if <laughs> I've done it, gone to old age homes, and you look at, you know, the people in old bodies, 
And here's all these women, but you know that at some point in their life, when they were teenagers and in their youth, they were probably very beautiful. Yeah. You know, and they were attractive and the men were coming to them and, you know, et cetera. But now you look at them 50, 60, 70 years later, you know, and it's a completely different picture. Mm-hmm. But with the Lord, it's eternally like this. So the beauty of the Lord is complete, full in every way and eternal. It doesn't fade with time. It's not affected by anything. That beauty is eternally the same. And it's beauty beyond any beauty we'll ever experience in this world. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't even fathom it. So, And it's not an an important aspect to this is that it's not a man-created image like it's not created from our imagination and because that would a typical man-created uh picture of god then when you hear that would be okay so he's he's very wise and then then he's got a long beard and very old because he's got to be you know wrinkly and and but at the same time like huge muscles because he's very strong all all that's again like this man-made projection of of god and not yeah just receiving descriptions yeah. of god as he as he describes himself like through the bible and accepting what he says and it's hard for us to imagine but the the great devotees of god can actually see god with their spiritual eyes see it's not like they're just speculating in their mind what he's like. They see, like I can see you and I can describe you from what I see with my eyes. See, So in the same way, they have spiritual eyes to actually see the form of the Lord as he is. He reveals himself to them because they have that loving relationship. See, So it's Again, not speculation. But it's it's kind of like, a, a, it seems like a difficult situation where it's like God only reveals himself to you if you love him. But to love him, you, to, to be able to love him, you want to see him and you want to have a proof of him. Like the materialists or anyone who doesn't believe in God usually would say like, well, show me God and then I will believe in him. And if they see him, they might believe in him, but they won't see him because you, you know what I mean? It, well, I know what you mean, but, you know, God has his His position of intimacy with his devotees, and he reveals himself to them and them alone. You know, But, for instance, Jesus, the representative of God, who, you know, in one sense is God in that form of the pure representative, Well, he was here. He walked among the the masses of the people. They saw him with their physical eyes, and they didn't all accept him. Yeah, you know that's true. He had the message. He had. He was there. He was, you know, personified love. They didn't accept him. And when God was on this planet five thousand years ago, you know, in his original form as Krishna, see. He was visible to the physical eyes of the people that were there on 
the planet, and they could see him. But they didn't all accept him as the Lord in any way. Some saw him, you know, as their enemy. Some saw him as just a young boy, very beautiful young boy, but, <laughs> but just as a young boy. You know, and some saw him, you know, as their son, and some saw him as their friend, and some saw him as their master and lord. In other words, their, their eyes saw the same thing, but their understanding of what they saw was very different. No. Mm -hmm. Just the ordinary man, very special one, but, you know, not the Lord by any means. So again, it's, it's dependent on the individual, how we see God. No. No. So it's, it's, and then, it's hmm. possible to see God by at least accepting some of these truths as a possibility and following the guidelines of how we can increase our understanding and vision and love and come to a point where we do develop that love. And we have given, been given that process by bhakti yoga. But the atheists will deny the existence of God no matter what you do because that's his very, very strong position. Unless... Something happens, he's purified of, you know, his blocked vision, his resistance, his determination no. that there is no God, and then he can begin to see too. You know, there's a, a story in the Bible about uh, Saul. There, there was a personality named Saul, S-A-U-L, and he was one of the this was after Jesus. And he was one of the biggest persecutors of the Christians. I mean, he was totally anti-Christian, anti-Jesus, anti-God. And one time he was on his way to Jerusalem, if I remember correctly. And a beam of light came down from the sky upon him and just knocked him down like a bolt of lightning kind of thing, you know, and just <laughs> like being struck by lightning, if, if you want to have an idea of what it was. And he was like so afraid. It was like he was almost on the verge of death. And a voice came from the sky and said, Saul, why dost thou persecute me? And it changed his life completely. And he went from being the strongest opponent to the greatest Christian himself. And so then his name was no longer Saul, but Paul, P-A-U-L. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some profound things like that can happen, but very rare, of course, very, very rare. But we can gradually hear more and be purified by this hearing and become more soft, associating with people who have this understanding of the truth that God is a person and God is my friend and God is my protector and my shelter and my, <clears throat> you know, ever well-wisher, et cetera, et cetera. If I associate with those types of people, this has a big influence on me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's many cases in in modern history where people have had some profound experience, a, a death experience or, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever the experience was, and yeah. they became strong believers, if you will. But it's it's more than just blind faith. It's like happening inside. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, exactly. But some, but something so can wake process, you up. To, yeah, yeah, it wakes up. Like, and the process of hearing and chanting God's names, it does that. Hmm. It does that. Hmm. So, <clears throat> but if we had the idea that if if we could just see God with our material eyes, that that would change everything, but no. Hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Not supported. You, you still don't appreciate that you don't see it with your heart. You don't, yeah. <laughs> Although there's stories in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of how contact with Lord Chaitanya completely purified the hearts of mm. people. <laughs> <coughs> there's stories I won't go into now because we have other items on the list, but. So why don't you read some descriptions of God from uh, like Brahma Samhita, for instance. Yeah. Let's see. So this is Brahma Samhita 5.29. Now, and Brahma Samhita was, was, by the way, written by Lord Brahma, who is designated by God to be the creator of this world. He's the topmost agent in this material creation, you know, and he's empowered by God to, you know, create and so on. And he's, a, he's obviously a great, great devotee of God, and God has given him the vision to see him. And he actually gave him the vision to, to enter into the spiritual world. So he's speaking about what he saw. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. go ahead. Okay, I think I'll start with text 30, 530. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, who is adept in playing on his flute, with blooming eyes like lotus petals, with head deckened with peacock feather, peacock's feather, with a figure of beauty tinged with the hue of blue clouds, and his unique loving loveliness charming millions of cupids. So. Yeah. And it goes on. There's many, many descriptions in the Brahma Samhita. Yeah. He's, uh, I worship Govinda, the primeval lord, Round whose neck is swinging a garland of flowers, beautified with a moon locket, whose two hands are adorned with a flute and jeweled ornaments, who always revels in pastimes of love, whose graceful threefold bending form of Shamasundar is eternally manifest.
yeah, we could go on there so not, but where, where does it where is the quote about his um you said that there it was the same as his legs were uh with bedeck and with jewels pillars of ivory uh-huh I'm not sure mm-hmm. I'm not sure okay that's there in Srimad Bhagavatam too oh yeah mm. yeah this is but, just a uh, few it's there are many many but wherever you read uh, mm. in that, in this Vedic literature about God it's always and this is about God in his supreme number one form of Krishna and so therefore you will always whatever you read it will always point to the beauty the unqualified unsurpassed beauty of the supreme person so if God is number one in all categories, he has to be the most beautiful. I mean, if somebody's more beautiful than God, then he's not God. Yeah. See? He can't be surpassed in any category and still maintain his position as number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, he's number one in strength, but he's not quite number one in beauty or, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So people are always looking for the most beautiful person. You know, everybody knows that. You know, where is the most beautiful person? And sometimes you might see someone that's so beautiful and you, you're just attracted. You can't not be attracted. And so God is number one in all categories. Strength, wealth, fame, beauty, knowledge, renunciation. And so therefore he's the most attractive personality of all personalities. And that's why his number one name is Krishna, because Krishna means all attractive. He's the most attractive personality of all. So again, being God, he has to be the most attractive. Hmm. And that's wonderful. I mean, isn't that what we're all looking for? Isn't that one every what everyone is hoping for? The most attractive person to be together with and to love. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know. That's true. I mean, you can't help there's a song that was popular when I was young. You know, to know him is to love him. To know, know, know him is to love, love, love mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I've heard that song. Just to see his smile makes my life worthwhile. To know, know, know him is to love, love, love him. And I do, yes, I do, oh, I do. That's talking about some guy, you know. But the point is, everybody's looking for that. And if you know God, you love him. There's no possibility to know God and not love him. God as he really is, you know. And again, that's what we're looking for. So the whole process of bhakti yoga is to introduce us to God, to make it so we can come to actually know Him. That's the purpose of the human form of life, to come to know and love the Lord. That's the purpose of the human form of life. So those who are you know, denying God's existence, what are they doing? They're setting the stage to be 
never fully satisfied and never fully happy, to never have the opportunity to know and love the Lord, to, to, to use the human form of life in every other way and therefore miss the number one opportunity. That's the fruit of that philosophy of atheism, skepticism, and so on. And what's on the other hand? What do you gain? What's the, you know? You gain misery. Yeah. You gain birth and death and old age and disease again and again and again. Yeah. Wandering here and there throughout the universe. See, that's, that's what you gain. <laughs> so it's a choice. Do I want to gain that or I don't want to gain the perfection of everything I really want anyway, but can't find, don't know how to achieve it. Yeah. So obviously... And with that comes the beauty of depression. I just gave a lecture for Russia on Saturday about depression. And, uh, you know, I was reading statistics and... You know, it's, a, it's the most debilitating disease in the world. Yeah. It debilitates more people. Yeah. You know, 40,000 people in America committed suicide last year as a result of depression. 40,000. You know, huh. and we were looking at statistics in Russia, 10% of the population has depression, that's, uh, you know, 15 million people, Jeez. et cetera, et cetera. So that's what you get. <laughs> that's, that's what is your reward. That's crazy. But if you read about, you know, Lord Brahma's, you know, condition, you can, or Solomon, Look at their reward. They're glorifying in the beauty of the Lord. I mean, they're, you know, ecstatic. They, they just can't wait to describe it in full because that gives them the pleasure to relive it again and again. If you're a guy and you see a beautiful girl, the more you describe it to her, to your friends, <laughs> the more you taste that. Yeah, yeah, again. yes. That's wow, she was so beautiful, man. Her hair was like this and her eyes and, you know, the rest of her body and whatever, whatever. And you tell the next guy and another guy, and <laughs> let's go back to that subject because I want to relive it. So the devotees are experiencing that with the real thing. One should not deny themselves the ultimate satisfaction and pleasure and happiness that comes from knowing and loving the Lord. Don't voluntarily deny yourself that possibility. Because you're setting a stage that is, you know, <laughs> certainly not in your best interest.
Um, you know the the end of that Christian. The, there was a there was a song by some Christian artists, and and the end of the song with kind of singing, half singing, half saying that uh, God's about God's name, and they said His name is above depression. His name, and, and I saw His name is above cancer. His name is name is above yeah diff- different things and but he said this his name is above depression and it just made me think about that when you mentioned depression yeah yeah his name is above all the miseries all the miseries that's what they're saying yeah yeah and the beauty is god is not different in his name you want to contact god chant his names that puts you in contact with the lord He's arranged it so he is present in his name. And those who constantly sing and praise the Lord by his name, as is described in the Bible, are the ones who are the most happy in their relationship with God. It's not just a dry philosophy. God is like this and like that and, you know, like describing, you know, a statue or something. No, the sweetness is in his names. So that's why it says, praise the Lord, glorify him by his names. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Hallowed be thy name. Give so praise. there's some Christians, uh, religions we'll call them, face, I think is the more correct way to... Uh, present it, mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time chanting the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, I grew up in the South, and it was, you know, black Christian churches and white Christian churches. And of course, I went to the white church, but I lived down the road close to a black church. It was about, I don't know, 500, maybe a kilometer away, less. And yeah, probably that or a little more maybe. But anyway, I'd go to church on Sunday and we chant the hymns from the book, just a couple, you know, certain parts of that one hour, you know, church service. There was a time when you chant a hymn, uh, not chant, sing mm-hmm. a hymn, mm-hmm. and then another and to end, and maybe the choir would sing a hymn presentation. Mm-hmm. And then that was all. But if you listen, and I could hear the black Christian church, when they came to church, they stayed all day. They came and they didn't go home. They chanted in the morning and I just sang, and they didn't. we didn't call it chanting. Their service lasted the day. They'd have dinner on the grounds. They, they were so happy and singing and hallelujah and the gospels. And they were often chanting Jesus' name, and they were getting way more out of it. I mean, they were getting a whole different experience in the coat and tie proper, yeah. everything. <laughs> yes. Go home, you know. I mean, they were partying. They were dancing. They were... Hallelujah, went and they had another whole Sunday. So, yeah, 
Those who chant the names of the Lord, the names of Jesus, etc., the most are the ones who get the most out of it. They're the most happy. They have the deepest experience. And maybe if you've only experienced the code and tie worship, then maybe that's also one of the reasons why you're not that attracted to the idea of God or religion or anything, because it's just dry and you know there's nothing there. There's no nectar there. From... Yeah, it's very formal. It's very ritualistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when Lord Goranga came, he said, chant the holy names, chant and dance, you know. Throw your hands in the air. Chant the holy names. And he did it himself, and all of those around him did it, you know, with abandon, you know, just losing themselves in the holy names. And that's what it was all about. They experienced that love of God. So, it's all available. You get what you want. If you want to have the philosophy there's no God, that's available. That God is not a person, but just energy, that's available. There is a personality, that's available. You know nothing about him, but except he's an old man and the harsh judge and so on, that's available. But if you want to know where the nectar is, the all-supreme, young, eternally youthful, beautiful personality, you know, that is the source of all happiness and love and is willing to reciprocate you on that level that's available too. So everybody's got choices. Everybody's got choices. And we get what we want. The choice we make will determine the result. Yeah. In fact, I used to want to go to the black church. <laughs> And I was going to say, yeah, I was thinking, did you but ever? In that time and place, it, no, you couldn't do that. <laughs> no, segregation was absolutely too, oh. too enforced. Oh. They would have welcomed me in, I'm sure. Oh. And I knew a lot of those people in there. I mean, I knew the gate personally. And they would have been happy for me to come, but <laughs> it wouldn't have floated well. Oh. With my family or the other people, you know, that would, yeah. So, anyway. So you, in your later years, you had, you, you got that opportunity again and, and you know. Could... Yeah, that opportunity again, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so our time's up, Ruben, again. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll chant. That's a and, uh, perfect ending. <laughs> so let's chant the holy names and always encouraging others to do the same. These are not our mantras. These are mantras for each and every person. <clears throat> Om Hari Om.
Thank you, Valkia. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank oh. all of you guys who are joining us. I know some of you are attending each week and yeah. some <laughs> may be dropping in for the first time. So subscribe, share it with other people. Let us know what you think. Email us, send your comments, whatever, you know, let us know. And if you're wondering about anything, anything we could discuss in more detail, let us know. We're happy to do so. So, yeah. Yeah, if you want to send in some questions, we'll arrange for a question and answer session when we co collect enough questions. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we can do that after a few of these episodes from 
the heart of Jesus. We can do Jesus or Christian, what to say, question and answer. Yeah. And I will uh, mention that we're not here to argue. We're just here to present what yeah. we understand to be true. And yeah. Okay, so once again, thank you. We thank our spiritual master always, and we thank the good Lord for giving us these opportunities. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Malika. Namaste, everybody. See you next time. Hari bol. Hari bol, Hari bol. Namaste.